Welcome to the EDV podcast. I'm Daniel. In this episode, Professor Jan Guthermuth is joined by Professor Adam Reich, a full-time professor at the Department of Dermatology, Virology and Allergology from the University of Medicine of Warclaw, Poland. He is also the Secretary General of the Polish Dermatological Society and Chair of the Youth Forum of the Polish Dermatological Society. Today's topics will cover questions such as what is itch, is it useful, how to measure it, and much more. But before we get into it, Hosted in Porto, Portugal from the 28th to the 30th of November, the EADV Autumn School is the first multi-course event organised by the Academy where eight courses covering various dermatology venerology topics will run in parallel. Counting the expertise of over 40 speakers, we are offering a total of 400 seats for residents, specialists and nurses in dermatology and venerology. The courses will cover a range of topics from demoscopy to inflammatory diseases, skin infection to hair and nails. Visit eadv.org to register and participate in this exclusive learning and networking opportunity in the heart of Porto. And now the floor goes to the professors. Hello and welcome. It's my great pleasure uh, today to sit together with Professor Adam Reich from the University Medical School in Cheshów, Poland. Uh, he's one of Europe's, or maybe even worldwide's leader uh, in the research and treatment of itch. So he's the uh, vice chair of the EADV task force on itch. He is member of the International Forum for the Study of Itch. And um, uh, Professor Reich, we wanted to discuss some questions that are of imminent interest for uh, practicing dermatologists regarding of itch. Uh, maybe my first question would be, what is itch and is it maybe useful? Yeah, so it's a really uh, difficult question because we have a very old definition of each, and it is defined as a subjective unpleasant sensation which is causing a desire to scratch. So it's really uh, a definition which has been elaborated in 17th of, uh, century. So it's really very old and until now uh, we do not have anything better. But as you can see, it's a really very unprecise definition because we really rely on the what the patient is is uh, telling us. And at the moment, uh, within the EADV uh, task force of Puritus, we start to uh, to work on a on a new definition, and uh, hopefully we will succeed. But we really see. But what is the most important is that this is really a subjective sensation. So it's uh, really hard to be ob objectively measured. We, we have to rely what the patient is telling us. Mm -hmm. And so what do we now use? Is it uh, uh, scales like visual analog scales or do we use interview techniques how to best measure itch at the moment? Yeah, it's really the measurement of pruritus is also quite challenging. Again, I would like go back to the subjective sensation. So we have, you mentioned, a visual analog scale or numerical rating scales. These are all mm, subjective, uh, but they are just rather monodimensional uh, scales. We are using them commonly, but today we do not have any let's say, gold standard of a measurement of pruritus. And according to our recommendation, also the International Forum for the Study of Each, we recommend to use at least two independent methods of uh, pruritus measurement uh, for both clinical and scientific uh, studies. And uh, except, oh, sorry, besides uh, numeric rating scale or view analog scale, we may uh, also use a number of questionnaires 
there are a number of uh, different instruments that may, they may be used, but still, there is no one single uh, questionnaire on Puritus that can be really recommended worldwide, so we still look for a better instruments. We also have some uh, instruments that measure that can measure quality of life related to uh, itchiness. Uh, it's itchy quality, and this uh, questionnaire has been elaborated by uh, United colleagues by Su uh, Sufi Chen. And uh, of course, we also would like just to somehow measure Puritus in, in, in a little bit more objective uh, way. Mm, and uh, for that reason, we may also try to measure the scratching behavior. And for instance, uh, there are a number of different instruments, like for instance, accelerometers. Uh, they are quite similar when you are just jogging. You just uh, count, you know, the number of uh, of, of uh, steps you are doing. And the same, you also may somehow try to to collect data how many how many times you shake the hands uh, due to scratching. And uh, you can also have a kind of a infrared cameras that can be used for instance during the sleep of the uh, of the patient and then you can record the scratch episodes but this is really a very sophisticated method and this is still not validated well yeah so these most likely are uh, now used in highly scientific projects so on the daily workflow you would um what would you recommend the each nrs so when we when we think um, now, for instance, in many countries, you have to measure the itch in terms of reimbursement of the new treatments for atopic dermatitis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in a routine daily practice, NRS, if you have a patient in an outpatient clinic, it's absolutely fine. If you need more for some uh, quality of life measurements or you may look for some question and provide really more information that's simple in a numeric rating scale, on the other hand, I also have patients who really cannot understand even numeric rating scale, and then we are just uh, trying to assess pruritus severity with verbal uh, assessments like, uh, please tell us it's severe, moderate, mild, very severe, almost uh, absent, whatever. Um, so there's so much happening now in the field of itch research. Um, and we know that some itchy diseases like urticaria react um, extremely well to antihistamines. And when you then think of atopic dermatitis or psoriasis, which also uh, exert itch, uh, these antihistamines are much less um, effective. Is there an underlying basis for these observations? Yeah, so for many, many years, histamine has been considered as a major mediator of pruritus, but it, this is uh, in fact only true for a, a very little number of diseases like, for instance, urticaria or mastocytosis. And then, of course, antihistamines may be effective. If you consider psoriasis, atopic dermatitis, if you consider some systemic diseases like chronic renal failure, holostatic pruritus, whatever, there are a number of other mediators. And in many cases, for instance, if you have a holostatic liver disease and you suffer from pruritus, we still don't know what is the underlying uh, mediator. Of course, it can be lysophosphatic acid. It can also be some uh, steroids, some uh, holic acid as well. 
And uh, if you do not know exactly the, uh, the pathogenesis of pruritus, then it's really difficult to, to target the, the right receptor because there is a number of substances or a number of mediators that can really produce pruritus. And for instance, if you think about atopic dermatitis, uh, I think that uh, antihistamines are not of much help. But uh, currently, having a new biologic therapy like the Pilumab and uh, also blockers of interleukin-31, which are just under development, like, for instance, nemolizumab, these new treatments really offer uh, quite, uh, you know, for, at least for some of the patients, really a So there is really a hope for new antipsoriatic treatments in the near future because it's really a lot of studies ongoing at the moment uh, looking for really effective antipsoriatic treatments. Yeah. Um, are there any no, pathophysiologic forms that already now a dermatologist in practice should know, like an inflammatory itch versus a histaminergic itch? Is there? Are we so far that we can already think in these directions? Yeah. So in 2007, International Forum for the Study of Itch proposed a new itch classification. This classification has been proposed by Sonia Stender. And according to this classification, we first divide or we group the patient with pruritus into uh, this patient having, you know, concomitant skin lesions, patient having pruritus on non-disease skin, and then patient with so-called chronic scratch lesions. And then uh, we look for the underlying pathogenesis, then we consider dermatological pruritus, systemic pruritus, neurologic pruritus, psychogenic or somatoform pruritus, and then mixed form if you have more than one underlying cause. And this is, of course, a very general classification, and we also look for, you know, more specific uh, data on pruritus. But on the other hand, you also have to have in mind that when you have a laboratory research, when you have a kind of a model of pruritus, usually usually it is a model of an acute pruritus, but if you have a chronic itch, that's really com the perception uh, of, uh, of, of, of chronic itch and also, you know, the activation of the brain in chronic itch patient is completely different than in acute uh, cases. So it's not so easy even to study this chronic uh, itchy condition. Okay, that's a yeah, that's uh, fascinating. It's that it is so diverse and maybe have so many different approaches. I always have the impression if I if I see an itchy skin disease that if I control the disease very well, uh, or if the disease is well controlled, that the itch gets better. Can we can we see that as a rule of thumb? Yeah, of course. If you have, for instance, uh, atopic dermatitis and the disease is well controlled, then I guess pruritus should also be gone. But uh, if you have a, a disease like, for instance, chronic prurigo, previously called uh, nodular prurigo, uh, this is uh, the disease where the, where, where the pruritus is by itself the major and the only symptom of a disease. And in such situations, we really need an effective antipyritic therapy because uh, in many patients, we cannot identify the underlying uh, disease. So we cannot treat, like, for instance, chronic, um, uh, renal failure or we cannot treat, you know, uh, cholestatic liver disease because it's not really uh, there. 
And also we have some situations, like for instance, in hematological patient, even today uh, during my uh, you know, clinical work, I have a patient with chronic uh, lymphocytic leukemia and the patient is under the treatment, but she still suffers from pruritus. And then we should also have a kind of an option of antiputic therapy, which will be effective in such treatment. Yeah. So I think that that brings me to that thought, um, what you just mentioned with the hematologists, um, that in your eyes, does, does each receive the necessary attention from doctors, but also from the society it deserves? Do you, or do you think that we are sometimes under-treating patients? Yeah, so when I did a PhD thesis on pruritus and everybody was laughing of me, and even if you look, uh, you can also look for in PubMed. So this is a database of medical uh, publication on uh, different topics. And then you may compare the number of papers published on pain, which is another subjective sensation comparing to pruritus. So it's still not really uh, widely uh, recognized symptoms. And for instance, when I look on the, for instance, Polish healthcare, we have, for instance, a dedicated clinics for pain management, but nobody cares uh, when you have a patient with chronic itch. But when you have a patient with severe chronic itch and, and when you ask the patient, then uh, some people even say itch is worse than pain. So we still need to put a lot of effort to, you know, even to encourage doctors, physicians to 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 take this uh, this issue seriously. Yeah, it's absolutely also my uh, feeling here. And um, sometimes we have uh, discussions with peers, uh, or there are discussions with peers for new treatments, and the new treatments are expensive. And I have always the impression that itch is seen as something minor, not important to treat. So I guess we still have to do some some uh, advocacy for our patients who suffer from this. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm also afraid, for instance, I talk about new treatments. So we have a new drug, which is called nemolizumab. This drug is blocking interleukin-31, but we all know that biologics are extremely expensive. And then the question will arise whether you know the payers would like to pay for an anti-itchy treatment, which costs a number of, 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 of thousands of dollars. So it's it's the question mark now. We don't know it, but I guess it would be difficult to be reimbursed in many countries. Yeah, it's my, my feeling also. These discussions are getting more and more problems. So I think that this is something for EADV to work on the topic scientifically, but also I think we need to be advocates for our patients. Um, so, yeah, it's clearly underestimated. So, in your eyes, um, what, are the, um, what, what are the next things that will be coming to clinics? You already mentioned uh, the uh, dupilumab, so treating uh, itch-mediating cytokines. Uh, what is, uh, in your eyes, the future of itch treatments that is imminent? You see, maybe within the next one to three years, can we expect more drugs with a, a good action on itch? 
Yes and no. <laughs> yes, because we have some some substances on the pipeline. I already mentioned interlocking 31. Uh, this is a, a mediator, or this is the inter cytokine we consider as one of the most, even if not most important, in a feeling of pruritus, especially in cases of neurogenic inflammation. And uh, uh, the first uh, results are really encouraging, so it's it's really a hope. Uh, unfortunately, many other substances uh, which has been uh, tested, for instance, aprepitant, uh, like neurokinin-1 inhibitors, uh, unfortunately, in clinical trials, they failed. And uh, many other treatments are still uh, under the investigation and we have a great hope but it's really extremely difficult uh, to objectively measure the the efficacy of this drug and this is also one of the issue because in most of the clinical trials when you look on the clinical trials on each you will see extremely large placebo effect and then it's it's really hard uh, it's it's really hard to uh, to elaborate or to to uh, to find you know the pr the proper assessment methods just to diminish this kind of a placebo effect as as it is really absolutely subjective sensation. Um, we do a lot or we we did a lot just to overcome this, and for that reason we also have the feeling that current definition of pruritus is not enough. And that's uh, why we are just working on it. And also, we would like just to work on harmonization of the pruritus assessment uh, together with uh, Professor Matthias Augustine uh, and with Sonia Stender in the past. We published how to measure pruritus in, in clinical trials. At the moment, uh, we would also like to, to work on this uh, issue further, and we should somehow harmonize uh, the current uh, assessment uh, of pruritus in clinical trials, like for instance, PASI in uh, tri clinical trials on psoriasis. This is the major uh, indicator of the treatment efficacy, but of course, it's not an ideal one, but everybody's using PASI in clinical trial on psoriasis. And we need some something like that in uh, also for pruritus. Okay, so um, thank you very much. I think that was a broad, broad uh, trip from different forms of each new treatments, uh, each classification, um, the gaps that we have in um, assessment of each. That uh, is one of the biggest problems. Is there anything you would uh, uh, like to share with our listeners, Professor Reich? Yeah, so I would like just to underline that every physician should be aware about pruritus significance and that the, not only dermatologists should deal with this problem because there are a number of diseases like, for instance, uh, hepatic diseases, hematological diseases, endocrinological diseases, uh, renal uh, diseases that may be somehow accompanied by pruritus and also these physicians must be aware about the significance of the symptoms. And it's, it's, it's really, really crucial for the patient because in most of the trials, when you just ask a, a patient about the symptoms that are the most bothersome, pruritus is scoring, if not number one, but this is then in, within the first three symptoms mentioned by the patient of, in different uh, diseases. I think that this is the most important message to close our today's podcast. 
Um, I would like to thank you very much uh, for joining us, uh, Professor Reich. Thank you for, for this kind invitation. It was a pleasure for me. Uh, thank you for everybody listening, and we hope to, uh, that you will hear us soon. Thank you and bye-bye. Have a nice day. Bye. We applaud the professors for sharing this very interesting, insightful conversation. And a special thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or otherwise find us on any major podcast provider. We appreciate you joining in and look forward to presenting more interviews, research, and other topics of merit. Until the next episode, take care of your skin.